listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So uh, I want to show you a couple of things in the Word today. I will be in Moorfield, Luenda. I'm coming to Moorfield. Tent meeting starts next Sunday. I fly out a week from today, and uh, we're headed in to Moorfield, West Virginia for the tent meeting. Sunday through Friday. Next Sunday through Friday, we'll be in Moorfield. Not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday. June 28th through July the 3rd. It's going to be awesome. If you can get there, get there. It's going to be good. Um, <clears throat> let me just say that, yeah, I know, Ruth. We've been dealing with these issues on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, take my recommendation. Jump over to YouTube. It'll be well worth your time to be on YouTube. And while you're at it, subscribe and click the little bell. I'm not violent like the other people. Smash the bell. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do that. Just lightly and gently with a spirit of self-control, touch the bell. Um, <clears throat> I can't believe it's 90 degrees in Presque Isle, Maine. It's only 85 degrees here in South Florida. How is it hotter in Presque Isle, Maine than it is in South Florida? Makes no sense. I don't understand. But... You know what? Congratulations to you, Heather. You get these days for like two weeks a year. Enjoy it before you go back into freezing temperatures. I got messages. <clears throat> you, of course, you guys saw I posted. I posted the comments from Vince Carter. <laughs> I look like an unsuccessful cult leader. But got an even better, better one than that. Of course, I can't read you all of this because it's so extremely vulgar that I can't read it all to you. Uh, but I will read some of it. And we get these all the time for no other reason than, you know, we're preaching the gospel. People hate it. People hate it. Obviously, a people with an antichrist spirit. This dude might have even had a demon spirit. Not going to not gonna say it for sure. You can judge it for yourself. Um Here's the, here's the comments that came through and I love, and I love, by the way, responding to these people. Most people just block them or just get angry. These really, really amuse me. And I really enjoy interacting with these people because I know they're already so mad and so frustrated that it brings me great joy and pleasure to frustrate them even further. And so I have flipped the whole script on you and I am now the troll. I love it. It's a gift that I've developed over the years. And so <clears throat> this came in, this came into my Instagram from somebody who's been watching the broadcast and uh, seemingly is, as you'll see, very angry. Um, so here is... <laughs> Uh, the message, the first message, love you too. So this just pops up. No, no preliminary message. No reason why just this you ready. 
kill yourself, you fundy blank stain, before you molest kids or get caught doing lines of meth off of a teenage prostitute like Christian leaders always do. So that's, I just, you know, shows up in my inbox. And uh, so the beginning of that, kill yourself, fundy, blank stain. So I then respond, what does fundy mean? (laughs) I honestly, I honestly didn't know. So I didn't know what fundy meant. So I just asked, what does fundy mean? (laughs) The thing, the thing that makes me laugh is of all the harsh, inappropriate stuff that person sent, that's the message that they get back is clarification on one of the terms they used. What does fundy mean? And they wrote back. Surprisingly, they wrote back, American Nazi Party supporter, a.k.a. fundamentalist. And I wrote back, oh, I don't know why I've never heard of that. (laughs) And then, literally, gets even worse. How many kids have you raped lately? And I wrote, not any. (laughs) Not any. And I wrote, you? Then I get the real good one. Get pancreatic cancer like Tim Keller, expletive. And I had to say expletive there because he used a very bad word. Get pancreatic cancer like Tim Keller, expletive. And I wrote back, he got cancer? (laughs) He got cancer? And then I get this. I mean, people don't even know who I am. Typical, illiterate, uneducated, barefoot, cousin expletive, Trump supporter. And I was offended because he wrote illiterate. Typical, illiterate, uneducated, barefoot. And I wrote back, I'll read often. I have, I'll have you know. I'll have you know. I read often. It was at that moment that I was blocked by this person. I was blocked and deleted by this loving commenter on Instagram. And so literally after all of that, he blocked me. Let me tell you something. It takes a real gift to be able to, it takes a real gift to be able to turn the tables on your haters. And that dude who obviously doesn't even know me dropping those messages. And then he's offended by my responses and blocks me. That is, I'm just going to tell you that right there is something that I aspire to be great at. And I know that my, my skills by the help of the Holy spirit will only increase frustrating the enemies of God, people that are very, very angry, frustrating the enemies of God. And so, um, yeah, Delame said, I'm so happy that I can be a troll and a Christian. (laughs) And I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm right there with you. 
Uh, Pete said, I love the trolls. It, it just, it makes me so happy to further irritate and frustrate trolls. I just, I couldn't love it more than, more than I do. And so because of, and that's just one, I've been posting some things just so you know, we catch stuff all the time. I mean, we catch stuff all the time, but it makes me laugh. It really does. I'm, I'm probably at this point in my life, I'm as close as you can get to unoffendable. I just, part of it's probably my sense of humor and that I enjoy, ask anybody around me, I enjoy situations that make people uncomfortable. I just really enjoy them. I I enjoy watching people during those situations. Maybe, I'm not going to say yes or no, but maybe I enjoy creating those situations a little bit. I'm not going to say I do. I'm not going to say I don't, but maybe. And, you know, watching people react in uncomfortable situations is one of my favorite things just to see the awkwardness and to see what happens. And so, I don't know, Luenda. My cousin Jonathan and I both really, really enjoy trolling. We were the original trolls, by the way. OG trolls, me and Jonathan. Way back in the day when um, AOL chat rooms were first released. AOL chat rooms. And I can remember us all the way back in like 1999, 2000, 21 years ago when they first released chat rooms. And they were dead. If you remember this, if you're old enough to remember, they dedicated chat rooms to certain subjects or events or whatever. And my cousin and I would just go in there and We'd, we'd go into a chat room that would have like 60 some people in it and we'd stay and continue until there were like three people left in the room. <laughs> and so, you know, just, it's just enjoyable to watch, um, watch these things go down. So obviously the uh, the haters are real. Jesus prophesied it. We're going to talk about it. That should be a shirt, Summer. Summer Steele said, trolling like it's 1999. That should be a shirt. That should be a Victory Tribe shirt. But I will say this because I wanted to, I did want to talk about it because Jesus prophesied that it would happen. And um, he did. He blocked me. Jesus prophesied it would happen. And, uh, and so I want to, I want to deal with that because there are people in this generation, of course you look around, I mean, look around at what's going on in our nation today. I mean, we're literally in the dead center of an outrage culture. I mean, dead center in outrage culture, um, cancel culture. I mean, you can't, you make one small misstep and you're done. They'll end your whole life. They'll cancel your whole life. And so in in the midst of an outrage culture, people are so quickly offended in this generation. And it's not just sinners. It's, it's Christians too. It's Christians too. And we have to learn to be unoffendable, number one. 
got to learn how to be unoffendable. What do I mean by that? You have to be bigger. I heard, I heard a preacher say it like this one time. He said, um, offense is an action, but being offended is a choice. And I think that's a great, great lesson to learn. Offense is an action, but being offended is a choice. So people will do things and commit an offense against you. But then once they commit an offense, it is then your choice whether or not to be offended. You know, it's like with this guy that, who I don't even know, by the way, and I know it's easier with people you don't know, but it's like this guy shooting these messages to my, to my inbox. You know, the average person would just be instantly appalled, offended. How dare he? That's inappropriate. I'm going to report it to Instagram, you know, offended, but it happens in normal life. You know, it happens with people, you know, the soon as somebody takes one wrong look, says one wrong thing, um, you know, people jump into being offended. Remember that. And I want you to put it in the comments for those of you that are watching, because this is one of the biggest life lessons I think that we could learn, which is offense is an action, but being offended is a choice. And there's no question about that. I am not controlled by people and their actions. I'm not controlled by people and their actions. Why? Because offense is an action, but being offended is a choice. Your actions will never manipulate and control my actions. And that needs to be the position of any believer, any Christian. And so as you're writing it, put it in the comments, offense is an action, but being offended, it's a choice. And you have to decide, especially if you're a person who's filled with the spirit of God, you have to, and the Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. So now you're in power, you're in control. And here's, here's how I say it, because you have the ability to operate or live in the fruit of the spirit, which we call the personality traits of Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience. So notice this, these are not emotions for the Christian understanding the word. These are not emotions. These are personality traits that the Holy Spirit empowers you to have. So I'll give you a a quick uh, example. Like the Bible calls it peace that passes all understanding. Love you, Lena. Uh, Peace that passes all understanding. Well, if it was a feeling, then how could it pass understanding? Because your feelings, you can understand why you feel the way you feel. Well, he said this, now I'm mad, you know, whatever. But when it's a peace that passes understanding, you start to realize that these are personality traits that are empowered. I'm empowered to have by the Holy Spirit. They are the fruit of the Spirit. And so the the thing I want to show you today is the actions of someone else don't control you you are controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So one of the things that the devil wants you to do is to react constantly out of your flesh. Be angry. 
you know, get mad at people, you know, freak out, all that stuff. And you have to learn to be unoffendable. I can't be offended. You can't offend me. I don't care how harsh the things are. It actually amuses me more the harsher the things are, as you saw. So understand that Jesus had a lot to say about those that would hate you. And we're going to go into that in a word. I want to show it to you. And I want to show you this uh, very powerful principle today. I'll start with Matthew chapter 10. There's my father. Love you, dad. Matthew chapter 10. Look at this. He said, behold, now Jesus prophesied this. So we need to hear it. Behold, I'm sending you out. This is 16th verse of, of Matthew 10. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Then look at this. Jump down to verse 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So notice that a prophecy of Jesus, that the antichrist spirit that is in the world will always hate the spirit of Christ that is in you. That's not, I mean, here's the problem is we think we can escape hate. You can't escape it. Because as long as there's evil and wickedness in the world, the spirit that drives evil and wickedness will always hate and fight against the spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit that's on the earth. And so you're not going to ever escape hate. People that think, I mean, we've got a lot of social justice warriors in 2020 that somehow think. We're going to take some actions somehow and eradicate hate. It's not going to happen. Let me just be very plain. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't care how many marches you do. Doesn't matter how many signs you hold over your head. Doesn't matter how much legislation is passed. It does not matter None of that matters. Uh, How much you push it on social media. You will never eradicate hate in the flesh. The way to eradicate the wickedness of a person's heart is to bring them into the kingdom of God where they're made a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things are passed away. That's part of the old things that die when you become a Christian. And Jesus said, you'll be hated by all for my, for my name's sake. So I want you to catch this. It would be like, and it's helpful to understand this. They don't necessarily hate you personally. For example, this person that that sent me these messages, uh, and even people that comment on, on the broadcast or on YouTube, they don't know me personally. They've never spent time with me. They don't hate me as a person. Remember this. They hate what I stand for. So remember this, they hate the platform that you stand on. That's so vital that you get that. 
They hate the platform that you stand on. Remember this. They hated it before you were even born. The platform, the principle, the agenda of heaven, the antichrist spirit hated that before you existed as an individual. And before you were saved, they still hated it. The only thing that has changed is that you have now, through salvation and your covenant, you have now stepped up onto that platform. And now the prophecy of Christ extends to you that look why you're hated. You're hated by all. Why? For my name's sake. So because you took his name over your life, that you're now a Christian, you are hated because you are now in covenant with God. Not because of you individually, but because you're in covenant with God. And the spirit of this world hates the spirit of Christ and the spirit of the Holy Ghost. So it's a hate that's based on what's inside of you, not what's outside of you. <laughs> See this. Put it in the comments if you're watching. The th I'm hated for what's inside me, not what's outside me. I'm talking about the, the, the hate that's prevalent in the world today. Doesn't matter what country you go to. Doesn't matter what room. Listen, <clears throat> you could be white and everybody in the room white. You could be black and everybody in the room black. But you could still catch hate because of the spirit of Christ that's on the inside of you. You're hated because of what's in you, not because of what's outside of you. Catch that as a Christian. And so offense is worthless. Being offended, that's worthless. Absolutely worthless. You start to realize they hate the platform we stand on. And so you won't eradicate, eradicate hate or wickedness through any other means. It's like, and then people, you know, it's funny. And then people say this, well, we're not trying to do that. What we're trying to do is bring awareness, <laughs> bring awareness because people don't know that there's hate at work in the earth. That's one of the most foolish things. We're trying to bring awareness to who, who do you think isn't aware that people hate people? I mean, who do you think doesn't know that, that people hate people based upon their skin color, based upon their nationality, based upon where they are from, grew up, what side of the tracks, their economic status, because they're a man or woman, whatever. Who do you think doesn't understand and know that there's inequality, injustice, racism, and hate? You think people don't know it? Well, we're trying to bring awareness to it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. <clears throat> Bring awareness to it. And that's a stupid thing to do. Everyone knows it's there. <clears throat> Nobody's walking around going, are you serious? There's inequality. There's injustice. There's racism. There's hate. Who do you think that you're going to bring to the awareness of that fact and they're going to be baffled? It's like, I can't even believe in this world. In this world. Are you telling me in this world? People hate other people. Seriously. Well, we just want to bring awareness. Keep working. Awareness does nothing because we're all already aware. 
Everything else in the flesh you can do does nothing because you can't change a man's heart. Some of the biggest wastes of time, it's not a waste of time to love people, but it's a waste of time as a Christian to think you're going to do things in the flesh to change things that can only be changed spiritually. And then, of course, try to escape what Jesus prophesied would take place, which we're seeing all over the world. <laughs> so I want you to I want you to hear this today, because really, if you think about it, people that get all bent out of shape about slavery and all that stuff, do you not realize that there's still slavery going on in the world right now? There is still slavery. Where are those angry people that talk about every political agenda that they have in their in their heart? Why aren't they talking about that? Why aren't they in those nations holding up signs? You see? So it's it's part of an agenda. You have to realize that people are doing things for their own purposes. For their own purposes. It's not the principle at, at, at the heart of it. It's not the principle of what they're saying. So I want you to understand that there is a spirit of hate in this world, hates the spirit of Christ, and Jesus prophesied if you were part of the kingdom, you'd be hated all over the world for his name's sake. That's a prophecy. Now jump over to the book of John, Gospel of John, chapter 15. And I want you to see this. John chapter 15, I'm going to start reading with verse 18. John 15, 18. Look at this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. So see, there's the principle I was showing you a moment ago. Before you existed, before you were hated, it hated him first. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. <clears throat> if they kept my word, they'll keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they don't know him who sent me. That's God. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would have not they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. You see that? So Jesus is saying they hate you because they hated him. Without question, you're going to have hate. I'm so blown away by the people that try to dodge hate, persecution, ridicule, and make everybody happy. You're, you're spinning your wheels. There's no way to do anything that means anything and make everybody happy. I mean, you hear that, don't you? There's no way to do anything that means anything and make everybody happy. If you live like that, you're going to be an extremely weak believer that you get all freaked out and bent out of shape the moment people start speaking against you or start getting upset about what you're doing. 
I mean, it's insane. You can never take it personally and you can't choose to be offended. You have to keep on loving people. You have to keep on doing what the word of God says, walking in love, joy, peace. See, if I start letting people's hatred and actions affect my own actions and emotions and feelings, then somebody I don't even know. Now think about the craziness of this. Somebody I don't even know can say something or do something that will so affect me that it will literally change how I treat my family, my children, my wife, because now I'm out, I'm bent out of shape. Now I've got, I'm angry, I'm irritated. I've got short reactions. And now my kids are saying something to me and I'm yelling at them. I'm I'm short with my wife. Why? Because somebody said something that got me bent out of shape, got me angry, irritated. Somebody I don't even know is now controlling how I act in my own home. You see that? Somebody is able, if see if, if I allow that, somebody's able to control how I treat my own children, my wife, my coworkers. Why? Because they did something that ticked me off and now I'm just irritated. Now I'm angry. Now I'm walking around huffing and puffing short with everybody. Why? Because I got offended and bent out of shape. <laughs> you see the danger of this? And you see the danger of how the enemy uses it to destroy the lives of Christians. If you allow yourself to not walk in the spirit, you will fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Let me tell you, everybody reads that lusts of the flesh passage and thinks of all the worst possible things you could do. You know what I'm saying? People read lusts of the flesh and they think about, you know, premarital sex or they think about doing drugs or getting drunk or they think about pornography, lusts of the flesh. But do you know what your flesh really lusts to do? Whatever makes it happy. So if somebody gets mad at me and starts saying things to me, well, no, my flesh wants to yell at somebody, smack somebody. That is the lusts of the flesh, just as much as the other stuff. You realize that? Because your flesh, see, walking in the spirit won't allow you to do those things, but walking in the flesh will. <laughs> and so, and I'm not telling you that I've never <laughs> done those things. I have, I'm the same as you. I have a temper. I have emotions that have to be kept in check. Just like Paul said in first Corinthians nine, 27. So understand something. As long as we're human, as long as our bodies have not yet been glorified by Christ in the rapture or in death, notice this, we will have to take actions to walk in the spirit and not be offended. It's true. Abigail, some people are in denial. And so the, the thing that I'm showing you today, now, now let me show you what Jesus said about it. If you jump back over to Matthew chapter five, go to Matthew chapter five. And let me show you this. Jesus is teaching the sermon on the Mount. Check this out. Cause this, this right here will set, let me tell it sets you free. Do you know there are people that are bound up? They're bound by their interactions with other people. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then just 
Never mind, but I guarantee the majority of you know exactly what I mean. Many people are bound by their interactions with other people. Their whole day, how their day goes, is determined by what someone said, what someone did, how someone looked at them, throws their whole day off. Throws their whole day off. (laughs) But people that walk in the spirit aren't like that. If you walk in the spirit, those things don't affect you. I could have somebody, I could have somebody show up at my doorstep and cuss me out for 10 straight minutes and be angry at me and whatever. And I I can literally, when they're done, close the door, go back to what I was doing and just completely laugh. I could have somebody I know get mad at me and, you know, and go right back to what I was doing and not give, not care one bit. That's how you got to be because once you turn it the other way, watch what happens. You're, you're being controlled. Your whole life is being controlled by what someone said and what they did and how they looked. And you are now a slave to someone else's actions. And I refuse to be. I refuse to be. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sons rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so I want you to hear this today. Jesus said that if you want to carry the spirit of God in you, that when somebody is your enemy, persecuting you, standing against you, spreading rumors against you, that your job to represent who Christ truly is in you is to pray for that person, not try to vindicate yourself and try go after that person. You know, that, that's, that's the first response of many believers. Well, if he said that, I'm going to come after him, I'm, gonna go, I'm going after him. I'm going to go after him right now. They just get straight into their flesh and go after somebody and start going after him on Facebook, going after him on Instagram, you know, freaking out. That's people's first response. Most of the time, Jesus said, don't let that be your first response. And let's talk about something real quick. Let's talk about something that never gets talked about that I know is a major issue in the body of Christ. Let's deal with this. If you have a problem, and here's, here's, I wish, I wish more people would talk about this. If you've got a problem with somebody, because it happens all the time, happens all the time. But if you've got a problem with somebody, 
the first person you're supposed to talk to is not your friends about it. You, you see what I'm saying? This is what happens. You have an issue. Maybe you don't even know if it's true. I dealt with this, by the way, in Further Faster when I was talking about walking in love and making sure that you're not getting engaging in gossip and bearing false witness against your brothers and sisters because it'll stop God's power from working in your life. You know what's interesting is you could, think about it this way. One of the Ten Commandments, by the way, is that you'll not, you're not supposed to bear false witness against your brother or lie about your brother. So think about this. If you engage in gossip from secondhand information, you could fall into lying about someone even unknowingly because what if the information you got about that person isn't even true, but now you're spreading it around like it's the gospel truth. You've now slipped, not just in the gossip, you've now slipped into lying about your brother or sister. It's dangerous. But notice that when you start to engage in, and, and contradict what the Bible says, someone had an issue with you, you had a problem with somebody, you may not even have heard it from them, but someone told you about it, and now you're all ticked off. Now you're talking to you know nine of your friends about it, you're out to dinner and you're bringing it up with everybody. What an idiot that guy is. Can you believe he said that? Jump over to YouTube, Joseph. If anybody's still having issues on Facebook, just go to YouTube, search my name and jump on the broadcast there. Can you believe that guy? What an idiot. What an idiot that guy is. Somebody that's on YouTube, do me a favor. If you're on a browser, copy the link of this video, the URL, and paste it in the comments so that I can share it to those on Facebook. Um, you get a, what an idiot that guy is. You hear what he said about me? They told me this is what he said. This is what he did. Can you believe it? What an idiot. And then for 45 minutes, tear the person apart. Let me show you what Jesus said that never happens. I mean, in this generation, it n- almost never happens. And it's a, it's unbelievable that it never happens. Because it's a command of Christ. Thank you, Lena. There it is for anybody that's missing YouTube. Bonnie Benedict, anybody that's missing it, there's the link straight to the YouTube video. You can go straight to YouTube. Um, Listen to what Jesus said. Same chapter, Matthew chapter 5, but he's talking about anger. Listen to this. The Bible says, verse 23 of Matthew 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar... And you remember there that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. And first, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. So Christ is saying, don't even, don't even give. Think about that. Don't even give offerings. If you've got something, you're holding a grudge against somebody. Don't even give. You see, leave it at the altar and go find him and reconcile yourself. Now, what's the protocol of this? Check this out. Check this out. The Bible says, 
Matthew, now we're in Matthew 18 now. Listen to this, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Stop there. Go to him. Notice this. Go to him personally, privately, and tell him his fault. That's number one. That's never, ever done. If you hear that somebody said something or did something or whatever, most people, they like I said, they talk to their friends about it. Instead of picking up the phone, calling the person, and giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying, hey, I heard, I heard this from so-and-so that you said this. I, I'm, I'm sure it's not true, but I just wanted to clear it up with you since we're friends. That almost never, ever happens. Whereas Jesus said it should be the first thing that happens. If you have some, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Keep it. Notice this is how number one, you keep friends and please God with your actions rather than living in this stupid outrage culture that everybody has somehow fallen into everybody, including Christians, fallen into outrage, offended culture and cutting everybody off. Jesus said, if there's an issue, if there's a problem, go to that person privately, just you and them and try to work it out. And the Bible says between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother back. What a revolutionary thought. I didn't lose a friend, but by walking in love and truth, I gained my friend back. That's why the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. So if they don't listen to you, verse 16, take one or two others along with you so that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Take a, take a witness or take a couple of wait, witnesses back with you, people that walk in love like you do, trying to reconcile this person back to you. Now, this is saying, if this is somebody who has sinned against you, and see, you're trying to forgive them. You're trying to reconcile the relationship. So if you go to them personally and they won't reconcile, so that it's not a he said, she said argument, bring a couple, one or two witnesses that also want to see it reconciled, bring them with you the second time and begin to speak with that person. See, look at this. So that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church, right? So get, if this is a brother in Christ, Get your pastor involved is the third step. You know, why, why is Jesus going to these lengths to talk about this? Because the unity of the brethren of the church, of the body of Christ, is vital if we want victory. We must have unity if we want victory. Why do you think 
that in the final moments of time, the devil's trying to stir up division, trying to get brother to hate brother, trying to get sister to hate sister. Why do you think that the enemy's trying to pull churches apart by every other opinion other than the word of God so that there's not strength in the church, so that there's not power and unity and force to win the victory in the house of God? That's why the devil hates, hates unity hates unity and tries to bring disunity and division into the house of God because he knows what happens. A threefold cord is not easily broken. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. There's power in numbers. There's power in unity. And the devil tries to use this hatred and these issues and offenses to divide us so that we don't walk in victory. And it's wicked. And people are falling prey to the things that are happening in the world and letting culture affect the church and the children of God. Foolishness. So Jesus said, love them, pray for them, forgive them, and then go to them personally. Try to reconcile the relationship. If they don't receive you, bring one or two witnesses with you. Try to reconcile the relationship. If they don't receive you and the brethren, then bring it before the church. Let your pastor get involved. Let the church get involved. Look at this. And the Bible says, And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, meaning a sinner. So so before we go further, listen to this. What is now Christ teaching? He's saying a person has three opportunities of grace. Three opportunities of grace. If they won't, if they sin against you, if they won't work it out with you, give them another chance with you and some witnesses, not people that are there to scream and yell at them. People are there that want to see the relationship reconciled. If they won't receive you and the witnesses, then let the church get involved. Let the pastor get involved. If you got to meet with your pastor and say, Hey, I've been trying, I want to forgive this brother. I want things to go back to normal. I'm, and if they, if he won't listen to even the spiritual authority that's over you, then what, what he's proving, what that person is proving is that I have zero desire to live my life the way that Christ instructed us to live it. Now think about that. This is why Jesus then said, cut that person off and have nothing more to do with them. Cut them off and have nothing more to do with them. That is actually, by the way, mentioned multiple times in scripture. Multiple times. Listen to this. This is found in Titus chapter three, verse 10 and 11. This, put it in the comments, Titus 3, 10 and 11. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, And then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he's self-condemned. That was Paul's letter to Titus on how to deal with people who continually stir up division and will not change their actions. Listen, these are not good people that have just made a mistake and like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. No, no. These are people who, according to scripture, 
have been given opportunities of grace. Jesus said it and Paul said it. And this isn't the only place Paul said it. He said, if you find a person continually stirring up divisions, give them opportunity, warn them, talk to them about it, warn them again, give them another opportunity. And if they won't listen, cut them off. Jesus said, cut them off. Paul said, cut them off. And there's a reason he said, cut them off. And it is because that a person who stirs up division, they are warped and they have zero desire to live their lives according to how Jesus and the Holy Spirit throughout the epistles commanded Christians to live their lives. And this is because God understands how important unity is in the house. Unity is in the body of Christ. You can't have division. It's like, can you imagine if my body was in division with itself and I've got one hand that's trying to feed me and the other hand's trying to push the nutrients away so that my body can be strengthened. My one hand's trying to feed me. The other hand's trying to push it away. I will be destroyed because there's division in my body. And so Jesus said it, Paul said it, understanding the power of unity and said, if you've given them chance and then chance and then chance, and they still won't listen to any kind of love, logic or instruction or correction, cut them off and have nothing to do with them. Treat them like an outsider, someone who is an enemy of God. And that's not too harsh. Trust me when I tell you that's not too harsh because the unity of the brethren is far more important, far more important You see, Jesus didn't even teach that with the gospel. Well, brother, you know, everybody needs the help of the Lord. That's true. But if they reject the help of the Lord, then there's nothing more that can be done for them. You know, Jesus taught his disciples that regarding the preaching of the gospel. He said, if you go to a town that does not receive you, he didn't say stay there for 20 years and keep banging your head against a brick wall of unbelief. He said, then just shake the dust off of your feet and go somewhere else. Don't sit around and try over and over and over to get people to receive what you're saying. If they don't receive it, they've given, they've been given their chances, then move on. Do you know how many people their lives would take a complete turn into peace and joy if they would just learn to move on and recognize they can't force someone to live a certain way. They can't force someone. The Lord dealt with me about this. I was preaching in Providence, Rhode Island, and I was giving an altar call. Now, the Lord showed me something by the Spirit about a couple that was sitting with one another. And I knew they weren't married, but I knew they were living in sin. And so I preached and preached and I gave an altar call, a strong altar call for salvation. And let that, I let that linger, let the Holy ghost work on people. And I gave the altar call and people came forward to be saved, but that couple never budged, never moved. They never moved. And it broke my heart because as an evangelist and as a Christian, I want to see people saved. And so I kept on calling. There's those of you here. I know you're not ready to see Jesus. 
and the couple kind of buried their heads and they never got out of their seat and came to the altar to be saved. So I, I let the altar call go for as long as I could. And then I prayed the prayer of salvation with those who did come. And then the, the service ended and the couple was getting out of their seat to walk up the aisle to leave the church. And I was moving quickly to get off the platform to go speak to them personally and say, hey, are you sure? Are you sure there's nothing in your life that you need forgiveness? Do you not want to pray this prayer with me? I was on my way to do it. And the Holy Spirit stopped me. He said, don't speak to them. Don't talk to them. And inside I said, yeah. I said, but Lord, I want them to be forgiven. I want them to be saved. And you know what the Lord said to me? This changed everything. This is what the Lord said to me in my spirit. He said, if they won't listen to my voice, why would they listen to your voice? Think about that. If they won't listen to my voice, he'd already been speaking to them. He'd been convicting them through the whole service. He'd been convicting them through the altar call, but they would not respond to the voice of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said to me, if they won't listen to my voice, why would they listen to your voice? That's heavy, man. That's heavy. And the thing is this, is that I could spend the rest of my life trying to bang my head against the wall, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, see, here, here's the real truth of the matter. It's not our job to force people to live for Jesus. That's not the job of the Christian or the preacher. Uh, it's not my job to make you live for Jesus. It's not my job to make you choose Jesus. No, my job is to present to you the truth of God's word in an unadulterated, unfiltered way in love and let the Holy Spirit draw your heart to Jesus as I do these sessions. And as we go, you know, we're on here every day and, and you're listening to these broadcasts and everything. And if there's things that I'm dealing with that you're battling in your life, then the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. I'm not jumping through the camera and saying, you better change your life right now. It's not my job to make you change your life. I can only preach the word of God, bring a word of instruction, bring a word of correction, bring a word of encouragement. And when the Holy Spirit deals with you, then it's your responsibility to take that instruction, that correction, that encouragement and apply it to your own life. Not my job, yours. And so when I do what the Lord has asked me to do, my job is done. And that's the key. Your response, and I'm dealing with this in the context today of haters, because we will have them. You're not going to stop haters. You're not going to stop persecution. You're not going to stop people that hate you because you belong to Jesus. They have an antichrist spirit. You've got a spirit of Christ. You're not going to stop that from happening. But here's the deal. Here's how you cure it in the church. You obey the Bible. If somebody's against you, sins against you, whatever it might be, then number one, you pray for them. The Bible says pray for those. And then you go to them personally because they're your brother in Christ. I'm not talking about a sinner. I'm talking about a brother in Christ. You go to them personally. If they don't receive you, you bring some witnesses back. If they don't receive you, get your church involved, get your pastor involved. And if still they won't receive you. Paul said, if they're stirring up divisions, Jesus said, if they're stirring up divisions, have nothing more to do with them. Can I tell you the peace and the joy that comes from being able to separate yourself 
from toxic relationships. I mean, I literally guard myself as hardcore as I can. I don't want to be around anybody that puts me in a state of irritation. And I don't have to be. Nothing in the Bible says that because you're a Christian, you have to hang out with everybody. You've got to love them. Yes. But do you know that I can love someone and not like them? That blows people's minds. You can love someone and not like them. I don't care to hang out with them, but I don't want to see them go to hell. I don't want to see them destroyed. I don't want to see them in sickness and disease. I don't want to see them in poverty and lack. I don't want to see their marriage destroyed. I don't want to see their children go away from God. I don't want to see destruction in their life. I love them, but I don't want to hang with them. I don't like them. (laughs) It's just like, we don't get along. And it's not because I don't walk in love. You understand? You can love somebody and not want to see them destroyed and want to see God bless them. You can still pray for them, all those things. And it just not, it doesn't mean you have to hang out with everybody. This is where Christians get messed up. And then they hang out. They're like, well, I got to go. I'm a Christian. I got to be with that person. You don't have to hang out with everybody. There's very few people that I even hang out with. I like to hang out with my wife. I like to hang out with my children. (laughs) And then on top of that, I got some other people that I like to be with. But I'm not hanging out with 90 million people and spending all my time with 90 million people. No. No. And it's not because I don't love them. I love them. I don't want to see them destroyed. I want them to be blessed, abundantly blessed. I want to see their marriage flourish, finances increase, body healed, mind delivered, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see them make it to heaven. But I don't want to go out to eat with you. (laughs) It's like... I don't know why that's hard for people to understand. People have been lied to. And so what happens is we force ourselves into relationships because, well, we're both Christians. we got to hang out all the time. We don't have to hang out all the time. I love you. God bless you. (laughs) You understand? You can love somebody. You can love somebody without, without hanging out with them all the time. And so this is the part people miss. And then they force themselves into relationships where people's personalities aren't even, they clash and then things get irritable. And it's like, well, you know, I got to keep hanging out with them because they're a Christian, I'm a Christian. No, you don't have to do that. Guard yourself from people. Because remember this, everybody's at different levels in the body of Christ. You know that. Everybody's at different levels in the body of Christ. There are some people who have not yet, we'd like to think every Christian's a perfect Christian, but not even close, my friend. Not even close. Preston said on YouTube, is this why you won't return my calls? I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no. But just know, I've got your number blocked. You know, here's the the thing. Anybody that's having issues on Facebook, once again, go to YouTube. Go to YouTube. Facebook's being dumb. Um, you don't, I mean, you wouldn't think everybody in the body of Christ is perfect. I hope nobody thinks that. People are dealing with their stuff. 
People are dealing with their emotions. People have not uh, put their flesh under. There's tons of people that have not controlled their mind, controlled their flesh, controlled their emotions. And so you got people that are trying to serve the Lord, but they're doing it through the filter of what they've not defeated yet in the flesh and in their mind. And so that side of them still pops out. And because it pops out, that's going to happen. But if you've got people that aren't even working on it, See, that's the problem. You got people that they don't even care. This is where you get this thought process. Well, I'm me and you better love me for me and you better not want me to change so you can love me because I'm me. And if you can't handle the way I am, then you don't love the real me. Doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't work like that. You don't keep being the carnal you and telling Christians, well, if you don't love me for me, you don't love the real me. Jesus told you how to act. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Read Galatians chapter five. He told you how to act. So you can't say, well, if they don't love the, what you're saying is if they don't love the carnal me in my flesh, they don't love me. No, I don't love the carnal you. That's why the Bible teaches us to know no man after the flesh. I don't want to be involved with your flesh. I want to be involved with your spirit who Christ made you to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, I don't want to go around saying, if you don't like my flaws, then you don't love the real me. No, I'm working on those things by the word of God, by the spirit of God. I'm working on those things, but it's my responsibility. People shouldn't have to love the things that are wrong with me. I'm talking about Christians and Christians now, not sinners. If I've got a big mouth and I'm always gossiping and I haven't worked on that yet, people shouldn't have to love that part about me. Well, if you don't love me, I'm, I, I say what I mean. I say what I know. I say what I think. And if you don't like it, then you don't love the real me. I shouldn't have to love the gossipy you. You should be a big enough Christian to recognize the sin of gossip and get it out of your life. I shouldn't have to love it about you. You see what I mean? And people do that. Well, if you don't love the real, the real me, this is the real me. And if you want me to change, it's like stupidness. It's stupidness. So... I shouldn't have to love the flesh part of you. I shouldn't have to love the, the, the sin part of you that you've not conquered yet. And not everybody in the body of Christ is perfected. So you will have to deal with people at all different kinds of levels. That's why Jesus said, pray for them and, and go to them personally and deal with them. If they won't hear you, bring back witnesses. If they won't hear you, bring it to your church, your pastor, those in the con- And if they won't hear you, then just don't have anything to do with them. And your life, you'll, you'll be amazed how peaceful your life will become when those relationships are cut off. And I've worked hard (laughs) to cut relationships off that don't bring peace to my family. I told my wife, she's, she have people that come and say, she said, this person uh, at it again. They want to go at it again. They want to argue again. I said, don't have it. Why are you entering? You don't have to prove anything to a person. Let them believe what they want to believe. Why is it my life goal to make you think like me? I don't care if you do or not. I tell you what the Bible says, bottom line, if you don't agree, don't agree. I don't have to have a a seven hour debate with you about something that you don't agree with that I agree with. If you don't agree, you don't agree. I don't care. It doesn't change me at all. See, my job is not to make people think like me. It's to give you the unadulterated truth of God's word, what it says and then it's up to you to believe it or not. I don't, I don't have to force you to believe it. People want to have a seven-hour debate on the Holy Spirit. It's like, bro, if you, don't, if you don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, don't be filled. It's not my business. It's yours. I'm going to be filled. 
So I don't, I don't care. You know, I want you to be filled. I'll preach to you about the fi- the filling of God's uh, spirit. But if you don't want to be, then don't. I don't. I have no desire to have a seven hour debate with you over where the Holy Spirit's for today. Not because I couldn't have it. I could very easily have it, but I don't care to. I have too many video games to play to have that kind of a conversation. <laughs> and people get all bent out of shape. You don't have to bang your head against a brick wall of some stubborn person, some rebellious spirit. Just cut, listen, cut it off. Continue to love them. You don't have to be with them. <laughs> Understand this. It'll bring so much peace and joy. You know what's a great, you know what's a great feature? This would bring, let me tell you what will bring so much peace to so many people. If you're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, there is a mute option. You have the ability to mute people. You don't even have to block them. You can just mute them so that you still follow them, still friends with them, and you don't have to see what they say. What a revolutionary thought. Here's a revolutionary thought. You can see a post that you don't agree with on Facebook and not comment. What a revelation. What an amazing revelation. I know nobody in this generation has ever thought of that. You can see things you don't like and not get involved. What peace when you mute, mute, Mute. I've muted t- people on Twitter that I don't want to he- see things. I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear. See what they have to say. Facebook mute. See, it's very easy, and you've solved the whole problem. I want to encourage you this because there's people. Before I pray for you, there's people that get all bent out of shape, man, because not everybody agrees with them, and there's people that are mad at them. If your boat is going to be rocked. Every time somebody's mad at you or doesn't agree with something you did, you're going to have a stormy life for the rest of your life. Don't allow that to affect you. And understand there are going to be haters. There are going to be people that stand against you. Brush it off. Brush it off. There's a difference. Let me, let me make this final distinction before we pray. There's a massive difference between an unbeliever who's operating with an anti-Christ spirit that hates you and a fellow believer that has offended you or committed an offense against you or has sinned against you like Jesus said. Big difference between those two. With those that are unbelievers, Jesus said enemies of God, you just pray for them. Pray for those that persecute you, spitefully use you. Pray for them because you want to be like Christ. Those that are in the body deserve your effort to try to reconcile those relationships. At least, Jesus said, three opportunities. Why? Because they are your brother or sister in Christ. You don't want to walk in unforgiveness. You don't want to walk in strife and problems, division. You want unity in the faith. That's what you want. That's what brings strength. That's what brings power is unity. Division brings weakness, divides us, And divided, we're conquered, but united, we are victorious, always. And this is a big deal, and it's been something that you can see people have been dealing with all over this nation for the last month. You've seen it. You've watched it happen. I've never seen so many people, so many people in the body 
coming after those in the body. So many people. And it's try, the devil's trying to bring division. I'm encouraging you today on this weekend. So we get into the weekend. Hear what I'm saying. Walk in a place of peace, joy, and love. And most of all, self-control. Self-control. Don't be dragged in to things that are going to bring strife, division, and problems. Don't be dragged in. Don't be dragged in. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. I'll tell you one of the things that blew my mind is watching. There's a guy named Dr. Jordan Peterson. And uh, I don't even know if he's a Christian, but he's a clinical psychologist in Canada. He's a clinical psychologist at the University of Toronto. And he took some heat over the last few years for things he said regarding identity politics. But if you watch him being debated by the, the most hateful trolls, just to watch his masterful body language, he just sits back in his chair, crosses his leg, and listens to what they have to say and never allows himself to fly off the handle and to get angry and to start screaming at the other person. They could scream, they could be angry, they could call him names. But he has this ability to just have an even keel, to hear the hatred, hear the trolling, hear the false accusations, and sit there with an even keel and not be dragged into their emotional problems. Christians need to be like that. Christians need to be like that. People can attack you. People can, you know, spitefully use you, persecute you. They can, uh, you know, malign you. It doesn't matter. Even keel. I walk in love, peace, joy, self-control, gentleness, meekness. See? And this is what I'm praying for you because we need peace. You need the peace of God that passes all understanding. Let me tell you. Let, let me just show you and prove it to you. If you're watching me right now, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, whatever, if you have seen within the last month issues that you've been, they've attempted to drag you in to stir up negative emotions and put you in a place of anger, of irritation that would that wreck your peace and joy, throw a hand in the comment section if you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then don't put a hand in. But if you know what I'm talking about, these are things the devil's using to try to destroy unity and you've experienced it firsthand over the last month, throw a hand in the comment section. And I'll be the first to throw both of my hands up because I've dealt with it. Look at the hands going up. Hands are flying up in the comment section. For those of you that are listening on the podcast, hands are going up in the... Why? Because you start to understand this is what the devil's trying to do. Bring division among the brethren, the brothers and sisters. I love Pastor Bill Motley said, you're nobody till somebody hates you. It's true. It's absolutely true. And so I want you to hear it. The devil's using those tactics, but we have ammunition, the fruit of the spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't have to be dragged into that. I don't have to lose my peace. I don't have to lose my joy. I don't have to lose my love because there's some knucklehead in the comments section or somebody I know has gone off the deep end. Pray for them. Give them. Did you know? Let me, let me find this for you in the New Living Translation. Um, let me find this for you. Look at this. In the New Living Translation, Colossians, I want to leave this with you before we pray. Colossians chapter 3 
and verse 13. Listen to this. This is huge, and I love the way the New Living Translation says it. Make allowance for each other's faults. This is spoken to Christians, by the way. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Let me read that beginning part again. Make allowance, make room for each other's faults. You see that? And forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Colossians 3.13 in the New Living Translation. Make room. There are going to be people that have many faults and offend you in what they do. Forgive them. Make room. Know that not people aren't perfect. They're working through whatever they're working through to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's what love does. It makes room and knows people are going to make mistakes. Love them through it. Forgive them. Pray for them. People will make mistakes. But you keep loving. You keep walking in peace. You keep walking in joy. You keep praying for those people. You keep lifting them up. Let God use you. You keep walking in self-control and in gentleness and meekness, which is humility. And God's going to bless you mightily. You just watch this. Just by doing what I'm telling you today, you will walk in so much blessing, it'll be insane. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's an actual blessing from the Lord that comes upon peacemakers. Not people who stir up trouble, division, strife, issues, problems. No, people who make peace. There's a literal blessing that comes upon people who make peace. Remember it. I want to pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for every one that's not only watching, but those that are listening on the podcast. They've had to go through issues. People have come against them. People have uh, lied about them, gossiped about them, come against them with false accusations. People are walking in hate. People are walking in division. But Lord, we rise above it in Jesus' name. We'll receive the blessing of the peacemaker in Jesus' mighty name. I'll not be controlled by somebody else's emotions. I refuse to be led around. Lord, we will not be manipulated by somebody else's mistakes, problems, no question. We will not be manipulated. And so, Father, I ask you to touch every man and woman watching today, give them a new strength and a new power to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. In Jesus' name, let the fruit of the Spirit come alive in our lives, in the mighty name of Jesus and the power of God to walk in love, joy, and peace in our homes and our families. A new love's coming on our homes. A new peace is coming on our homes. A new joy is coming on our homes by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we thank you for it. We give you glory for it and praise in the mighty name of Jesus. From this day forward, we walk in unity and not division. We will reconcile relationships and not lose them in Jesus' mighty name. And we will be the greatest agents of change that our generation's ever seen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it and receive it, throw some fire in the comments section. And let me just say this to you. Do you know the devil even attacks your physical body through this avenue? There are all kinds of stress-related illnesses that people are dealing with. And if the devil can use people to get you stressed out, you'll be sick. 
You'll be diseased. You'll have problems in your body and in your mind. This is one of the reasons that you'll walk in healing is because you will not be destroyed by somebody else's faults, actions, and missteps. You'll walk in total peace and as a result, joy, and as a result, healing in your body. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The moment the devil can take you out of your joy, he can take you out of your strength and your body will be healed and strong. Your mind will be delivered from depression and anxiety. You will walk in perfect peace in Jesus' mighty name. That's going to be your story. That's going to be your story. Let me encourage you today on this Friday to sow a seed by faith. Those of you that are watching, sow a seed. Those of you that are listening on the podcast, swipe up, click the link and stand with us and sow a seed today. I'm believing, and I know you are, for the final greatest six months of any year we've ever had. Before this month comes to an end, we'll hold testimonies in our hand. God is answering our prayers, and we will literally have our goals met by the power of God. That's what we've been confessing. By the time we hit July, guess what? All new goals will have to be set because God will have so quickly moved in our lives and in our ministries, and in our jobs, and in our families. So let me encourage you. Thank you, Steve, for sowing a seed. Sow a seed by faith today. You can always go to miracleword.com. Here's what I'm praying. Here's what Carolyn's praying, is that you would stand with us in partnership monthly as we're believing to see this generation changed by the power of God, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it. People are. Let me tell you how hungry people are, and I love it. Some of them we got watching today. We just held that revival in New York. We had groups of people drive three hours away from Pennsylvania. We had groups of people drive six hours away from Massachusetts. And groups drove seven hours from Ohio to be part of the revival. And I'm telling you, people are hungry. This is a hungry generation. I'm hungry, and I know you are. But know this. We have the answer to bring to a, to a lost and dying world. And when you stand with this ministry in partnership, that's what you're doing. You're sowing a seed that's changing a generation by the power of God. So here's what I want you to do. Pray. Whatever the Lord tells you to do on a monthly basis, go to miracleword.com, click on that give tab or the partner tab, either one, and set up a monthly seed that you're standing with us to sow. Many people, are doing $85 a month, $100 a month, $500 a month. Stand with whatever the Lord tells you to do. Be faithful to your instruction and watch what God will do in your own life. And I'm telling you, as you obey, blessing is on the way. For this month of June, we're sending as our gift to you this powerful book by Dr. Bill Winston, The Law of Confession. One of the greatest faith teachers alive on the earth today. I love him. And this book is so powerful on the power of your words. This will open your eyes to see. And we talked a lot about it yesterday. Go back and watch that. But it will open your eyes so that you can see how your words carry God's power on the inside of them. And then, of course, we know that when we speak, the breath of God is also released and it changes everything changes everything. That's our gift to you for the month of June for those that are partnering at $85 or more. And then of course, those of you that are sewing largely, and we appreciate you, those that are sewing $1,000 or more, we're going to be sending you the hard cover, limited edition 
of Further Faster that's now off the press. We've got it here in the office. And then, of course, a genuine leather copy of the Life Application Study Bible. It's our way of saying thank you. We appreciate you. And I want to encourage you today, go and, and sow a seed. If you're in the United States, you can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. All of those uh, are on the screen as we're listening on the podcast. You can always swipe up and the giving information is in the description of the podcast. Can I give you guys a heads up? We just hit a quarter of a million downloads on the podcast. A quarter of a million downloads. That blows my mind. But the message is getting out. The word's getting out. Can I tell you something too? Um, Through Miracle Word Radio, we're touching people all over the world. And it's free. Have it. Go to the App Store. Download Miracle Word app or the Google Play Store. Inside the app, our, our radio station playing a 24-7. You can listen to anointed preaching and teaching that'll build your faith every single day. And it's free. People are listening. It's amazing. Technology's blowing my mind. But I want to say thank you for being a part of this ministry. We love you. We love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.